Interested in energetics, intention, alignment, integrity, and ethics? You're in the right place. Welcome to the Sacred Leadership Podcast. This space is for you to gain inspiration, wisdom, and knowledge from exceptional leaders to support you in your leadership journey. I'm your host, Amber Gordon, trained therapist and intention and alignment coach here to ask all the deep questions to get the raw truths. Settle in, take a breath, set your intention for what you're open to receiving from this episode, because it is time to drop in. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Sacred Leadership Podcast. Continuing with our Conscious Masculine series, I have a special guest today who was actually recommended to me by a dear friend. And then I very intentionally took a very hard look on the social media of this person, really paid attention to the words, the context, the energy. And just in our pre-interview, I'm already so excited to have this conversation to dive right in. So without further ado, let me introduce you all to Damodar Daniel Cordua. He helps individuals and couples to connect more fully to themselves, to each other, and to something greater. He's a relationship coach, an empowerment coach, yoga teacher, and yoga wisdom teacher. He is the owner and operator of Empowered Connection Coaching and co-owner of the organic intentional herbal remedy line, Bava Wellness. Did I say that correctly? You did indeed. All right. Awesome. He guides couples, individuals, and groups to create better connection and communication, resolve differences and conflict, move past roadblocks, nurture deeper intimacy, find fuller love, and build happier, more enlivened relationships and partnerships. And that is exactly what we are planning on talking about today. We have a very juicy episode I feel like is about to unfold. But before we get into that discussion, I would love for you to just share a little bit more about your personal journey, how you found yourself in this space. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. It's a pleasure to meet you and really excited to hang out in this space. Yeah. To tell you a little bit more about my journey, I, without going too far back, I was a, and am still a yoga teacher and I run yoga trainings. I used to own a, I used to own two yoga studios, actually one in Arizona and one in Philadelphia. And I'm still part of the one in Philadelphia. And during the journey of my partnership with my wife. Now, my wife and I, my partner, we run businesses together, which already you could imagine is challenging <laughs> to run I mean, a running business. business is challenging, period. And then when yeah. you add the relational layer on top of it, like blessings to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's that's a whole other territory that I could speak to, right? Just running a business with a partner. But Regardless, we were running a business together and we moved into, and we had a very, and have a, a very strong relationship in so many ways. I could go on about it over for, for a long time about how great it is and it being great. And we had some roadblocks that came up. Mm -hmm. And for me, coming from a history of being in conscious community, quote unquote, like being in part of a yoga tradition, starting in the wellness industry, I just assumed, and also as a man, seeing myself as, a conscious man, maybe a man like who's a little more against the grain of more stereotypical or toxic masculinity. I just assumed I knew relationship and it would be easy maybe. And when the roadblocks came up, I noticed that I felt stuck and I could, there's a lot of ways that I could um, not congratulate myself at certain times in partnership. But in that moment, I congratulate my I congratulate myself for saying, "Oh, I need to learn more. Like, there's mm, some. I okay. need tools. I don't know it. I don't got. I don't got this." So I started to listen to podcasts. I started to just get more aware. 
And when I say listen to podcasts, that means like I started to actually learn about relationship, which was interesting to me because I think many of us, uh, and I'll, but I'll speak for myself, mm-hmm. we take relationship for granted. We were in relationship with caregivers, we're in relationship with maybe siblings, we're in relationship with coworkers, we're in relationship with partners. We just fall into relationship, right? But I started to realize, oh, wait, like there's actually patterns that I do relationship that I'm not aware of. Mm-hmm. And there's actually researched ways to do relationship, quote unquote, with more potential, with more possibility, with more connection and authenticity, meaning right. self-authenticity and connection with another person. And that just really transformed my relationship with my partner. It allowed me to go in a deeper dive into my own self, getting coaching and counseling for myself. And then it propelled me to want to learn even more. And the cool thing was, is that I could start to apply also some of the Eastern and yoga principles that I learned to some of the coaching principles, which was just a really fertile space. And in learning more, I decided I wanted to help other people out. And especially men or those who identify as men, I mean, I think men, I mean, not to call men out or call, maybe call men for, call men in. Yeah, men I love in, that. Right? Yes. Call men in. To take some more responsibility because I think men, uh, unfortunately, are generally not as relational, right? The relational dynamic and awareness is not as high of a priority. Now, it is in certain ways, but I'm just saying like the nuances of it. So I think for men to just see that as a priority in their lives, I've noticed that it not only affects the possibility of partnership but it affects my relationship with friends, with family, and in my business life with how I want to thrive in my purpose and career. So it waters all areas of our life, right? Because we're always in relationship. Mm-hmm. I can keep on going. Should I keep yeah, going? No. <laughs> I, was say, I, think, I think that's a, a beautiful a jumping start. off point for us because one of the things that I shared with you in our uh, pre-interview was the fact that I am trained as a marriage and family therapist, have worked as a marriage and family therapist for years. I stopped seeing couples back in early 2022. And a big part of that was, A, I was working virtually and it it was very challenging to hold that level of space virtually. It really, really was. And I somehow ended up specializing in like high conflict couples. So these were the people who were like, actively like sitting there just like screaming at each other and I'm like guys like what what are we doing here like I'm not going to sit here and listen to you scream like I will end this zoom call and I'm like this is not where I want to be and I would walk downstairs and my partner would be like hey are you all right and I'm like yeah no like I'm not I'm not okay and what I was seeing was just so much wounding that was getting played out and the patterns were so ingrained and people were on this just autopilot of cycling through and through and through. And because one partner was wounded, they would poke at the other person's wounds and then their wounds would be activated. So then they would poke at the other person's wounds. And it was just this essentially like thrashing around for lack of a better term. And as much as a lot of the traditional therapy modalities were helpful, I felt like there was just so much more. And on my own personal journey, obviously people who have been listening to this podcast for a long time, like I am very involved in just being 
conscious and having a spiritual awakening and different ways of relating to people. I just got back from my first ayahuasca retreat. Like there's a lot of layers to the way that I see humans and humanity and what we're actually here to do together. And that is the piece where I feel like from what I observe, the feminine's like understanding the assignment and <laughs> the masculine's like, y'all got to catch up a little bit. And so that's where I was sitting with it. And I got the message to essentially dedicate a whole chapter of the podcast to being able to call in is the way that you put it. And I love that call in more and let people know that this work is happening and what it actually looks like. So zeroing in a little bit, what were some of the things that you did first to start to shift the way that you were showing up in relationship to your partner? Yeah, that's a great question. And to answer it, I can answer it in a lot of different ways. But I think the, the biggest way that I, I started to start to view relationship was as a mirror. I studied under a few different teachers that started to influence me. And one of the early teachers I studied with would say our, our partner is a mirror. So it's showing us more about ourselves. So the dynamic you just pointed to of the wounds and the blaming, right? That's what was happening in our relationship to a certain degree, which I think it happens in most relationships. Mm, yep. Maybe not to the degree <laughs> you, were, you were showing or, or around as, a, as a, a couples therapist, but it does happen. It's so common. And I started to say, okay, let me stop just pointing the finger and start to explore why am I reacting this way? Like what is coming up for me in this? And so what did that, so then that first step asked of me, to then learn how to actually, and this is where we get into real biological, psychobiological shift that can happen. Mm -hmm. Like this is not just like an idea or a, a great way to, to view relationship. I started to say to myself, okay, I need to regulate my nervous system enough so that I'm not in that amygdala fight, fight response. And I need to actually gain a little more awareness and see which the prefrontal cortex, I mean, this is simple brain biology. I just like, I'm loving this. Like I, this is, you speak in my language. This is my bread and butter. I'm getting like very excited. Awesome. Good. Yeah. This is already getting so juicy. Keep going. And what's cool about what I'm talk talking to is this real simple neurobiology. And I think everybody should know it. Right. right? Because everybody, it's how so our bodies function. It is totally. how we are designed to be able to survive. There's nothing bad about oh. it, right? It's the way that we're set up. So the more we can understand, the more we get to work with our body instead of against our body. Yeah. 100%. So just giving myself, and as a yoga instructor, I'm like, okay, I should be able to try this. Ironically, I struggle with it, even though I teach it, but I was like, I need to learn. So if I, I started to learn for myself, and then this ended up being something we both practiced together as a couple that, okay, I need to take some, and, and this, this is like, get, like the difference between a conflict that goes south and builds more resentment versus a conflict that could maybe become productive. That I, at the moment that I notice my physical body reacting, because I, now I know what happens when I'm triggered, that I make some move to give myself more space physiologically so that I have more space within my brain and my mind and my consciousness to regulate my nervous system and give myself a little bit more perspective. And just that would give me some pause in conflict in the moment. And then later on and or during, harder during, because you're just trying to regulate, you're mm -hmm. just trying to, to gain that grounding. 
to actually be like, well, what, what is really going on here? Like, and so maybe that's the next thing I would talk about would be like to really just, I became curious and a little bit. Curiosity. So powerful. Totally. And, and that worked against the fight flight response, Mm -hmm. which to your point was coming from an intelligent place. It comes from, which I also started to learn early blueprints in my upbringing. Mm -hmm. And this is why relationships are a mirror because it showed me things that I hadn't really reckoned with yet. And when you're in relationships like friendships or work relationships, you can easily kind of skirt around those things. Yes. But when you are in a partnership day after day. Day in and day out, they're waking up with you. They're going to bed with you. They're eating meals. You're, they're seeing you if you're having a good day or a bad day. It's Yeah, it's all of it. Totally. Those relational blueprints from our primary caregivers, they will show themselves. And you will, you will start to unconsciously live parts of them out. And so that's, that was just, I mean, it was, okay, it was pretty difficult. I mean, it still is like seeing that and reckoning with it, but it was a big wake up call. I mean, I remember one moment where I gave myself the space and at this point I was getting, and this is why I think it's good to have a coach or or a good therapist who works in this way Mm -hmm. is that I had the training and the ideas and I was being held a little more, held a little bit more accountable for them. Right. And I, I would, I would be with this coach and we would be this coach in ways that gave some space to these ideas I'm talking to and were educational so I could feel them and practice them and learn about them. And I just remember one time with my partner, I was being needy and this is basic attachment style. So another really great thing for people. Yes, I was going to say, you're, you're like talking about physiology, biology, compassionate curiosity, attachment style. Like, okay. Like I, 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 if I didn't know better, I would have sworn that you went to school for therapy. So <laughs> I just love to study. I'm such a nerd. <laughs> I love it. And so I started to realize, wait, wait, I'm, 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 I'm anxiously needing her. So, which is like an anxious attachment style. And I started to notice that I just started to notice with the curiosity and the space that I just talked about earlier, mm-hmm. and a little bit more, just enough to be like, and when, she, when I do that, and I tend to get whiny at times when I do that, and I'm calling myself forward, I become a little whiny person. She goes away from me. Mm-hmm. It's cold. She turns off. She does not give me what I'm looking for. And what do I do? I get even more double down. <laughs> yeah. Right? Right. Because this is feeding into the anxious attachment at this point. Yeah. Um, 100%. And so... And then, and then I woke up to, oh, this is a pattern, right? I noticed that it's not just her. I can't just put the finger anymore. I'm noticing what I'm doing and then her reaction and then my reaction. And then it just keeps going. Mm-hmm. And I started to say, well, why, why is this? And then I started to feel, and so that's another tool is like emotional intelligence to feel what am I actually feeling underneath this trigger? Like, yes. what, and let me explore that with the curiosity and some coaching. Like, where am I feeling it in my body? What is the actual emotion? Mm-hmm. Like right. to tune into exactly what is it? Cause half the time, I don't even know what nope. is it. Nope. Right? Or what comes up first or what you think it is. You actually have to peel back a couple layers to get to what it actually is. Oh, totally. And then the next step would be, yeah, kind of like that. Like, what are the stories around it? Like mm-hmm. a presenting story right now. And then like, maybe there's another story about myself that is playing out or about us or about the world, how I see the world. Mm-hmm. 
And I started to see that, oh, like, like I'm replaying without getting into it, like an aspect of my relationship with my mother. Mm -hmm. I'm like unconsciously wanting it to happen because that's what love was. Mm -hmm. Even if it was not, I would say the most healthy or conscious or yeah, secure to use the word like secure functioning, which we could talk more about what that means. But, and I, I said, but it's familiar, right? Right. And, And so just that realization, right? Like gave me so much more perspective to see underneath things and it made it not so simple. It wasn't just like I could just point my finger at her. And if I can gain just a little bit of that, and if my clients can gain just a little bit of that, a little bit of that throughout life, and then especially game time, which is conflict, that can help a possible conflict, which will continue to come up if you're in a partnership. There's no magic bullet that's going to say, oh, you're never going to fight with your partner. In fact, you should. You're different people. You will have conflict. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. But it changed it from being non-progressive, non-life-giving conflict, hurtful conflict, to conflict that could actually really allow us to become more curious about ourselves personally, about the other person, because then she learned that about me too, because I shared it with her. Mm-hmm. So she had right. information. And that's, that's taking ownership and radical responsibility for the part of it that is yours. Totally. And then b- both sides. So like she could hear, which doesn't mean that she just lets me play that pattern out, but she knows that it's not just me being a whiny pain in the ass, a butt, excuse me. Oh no, um, you can curse. We can curse. <laughs> There's a content warning on this podcast. Feel okay. free. Great. <laughs> I was going to say I'm a Philly girl. Okay, like we don't oh, we don't try. Oh, okay, cool. I'm dealing with here. Okay, cool. Yeah. So it doesn't mean that she just gives me a free pass, but there's more compassion. She's like, okay, it's not just about him trying to do this to me and annoy me and have me want to leave him. It's his pattern. And then what's my what's my part also from her side? I mean, I won't speak for her. But like, what is, why do I want to retract from him Mm -hmm. right? so much? And so it's just all all that I just outlined, all right, which I outlined of three different, different things and different uh, tools. These are all tools that you can learn. You, I mean, I know you know a lot of this, but you listener, you can just learn them. I mean, even just studying them. I think like having a coach is great because it gives you a little bit more like real time practice and accountability. Oh, yeah, 100%. Because that's like you're looking at it like this close, like it's right in front of your face, right? But then when you're working with someone else, you're able to zoom out and get perspective. And that perspective can really, really help you be able to see the big picture and see those patterns much more easily. 100%. And my tendency is to, not that I'm like really a, a... like I'm trying to say that yeah, I'm a super smart person, but I can grasp it intellectually, but then I don't always practice it in the moment, right? So the 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 coach can really see that. It's just like athlete. I, I use athletics as analogies, not because I do like baseball, which if you're go Phils, yeah, But you know, I'm not a giant like sports fan, but it it is interesting to think like, you know, it. it it's like if you're playing a sport and you're practicing certain ways to to do something like hit a baseball and there's certain defaults you have 
And then they might become liabilities. And if you're humble enough and you actually want to do well for yourself and the team, not just for the team. Oh, oh, I got to change for the team. Oh, no. If you want to do both, you humble yourself and you say, let me go to someone who can not just like I could research it on my phone, but who's actually going to hold me accountable. Did you this is how it works. Did you try that swing? How did it go? How did it feel? Oh, it didn't feel well. Or you didn't practice it. Or you didn't practice. Well, well, maybe you should practice. Or maybe you should try it this way. Right. So, and how, what happened, right? To start to process and hold accountable and see things that I know that happened to me. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm painting myself as maybe a very humble person. But when we were doing the coaching stuff, my ego was like on full fucking display. Well, then that means you had a good coach. <laughs> Yeah. And I was like, oh my God. And I started to see it. And I was like, oh my God, like, I don't even see this. I don't, I'm learning it and I'm getting it, but I can't see that it's happening so quick. Mm -hmm. And I'm so in it just like athlete, like like an athlete, like you're, you're so in it and you can't see it, but the coach can say, Hey man, I just looked at that um, replay and that's happening. Let's slow it down. And that's another part of coaching, which is big, is that when you're in conflict or rupture with a partner, I mean, you're not slowing it down. So just being in a space with someone else, he's like, okay, let's just slow this down, right? Which is like another big thing biologically, right? To just slow things down. When we're in partnership, life is busy. We are in such a busy society. Mm-hmm. We're doing so many things. And, what, and I see this with couples so much. And they're, they're good people trying to do good things. They have oh, families yeah. and kids. There's no time. Everything's like this, quick, quick, quick. And if there's no t- way to slow down and just see, okay, what's happening here? How am I reacting in that situation? Or just in the situation to take a couple breaths or practice what I talked about earlier to regulate the nervous system. So now I'm going on a lot, but I use athletics as a comparison just because it demystifies it too. Mm-hmm. Because I think we take it personally, like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm not good enough. Or like, what, am I not doing things right? Especially men can be defensive that way. Speaking as a biological male and a self-identified male. Uh, I, and I think like to, to demystify it and say, well, no, it's not really that. You're great. Let's just make it better. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm in a great partnership. I've always been in a great partnership. We work together. We inspire. We work on business together. We inspire each other. We haven't murdered each other. Being business partners, <laughs> I mean, come on. And we've gone through the ringer. I mean, mm-hmm. we have gone through the ringer. And that, yeah, I'm just like, that's not even spoken about enough. There's still this no. fantasy that everybody on Instagram or in the news or I, they're just like have great relationships and things are always handy dandy and it's okay to have a have we have a great relationship and go through difficulty it's normal yeah but i think that that's also where that means that you are both on an individual journey and on a collective journey right because I feel like a lot of people think like, okay, like I know what makes this relationship work. So if I just stay the same and they just stay the same, this version of us, like (laughs) there will never be any conflict. Everything will be okay. And, and there are people Mm -hmm. who implicitly make that agreement with themselves and their partners. And then they end up rinse and repeat for the rest of their lives. And that's okay if that's what you're choosing. 
But I will say that a lot of the people that I work with, and I imagine a lot of the people that are in your circles as well, are people who have just had either like a spiritual awakening or they don't, they can't really explain it, but they're like on this evolutionary path where they're just constantly learning and growing and striving and expanding an amazing thing to do. And also I am like nowhere near the person that I was 10 years ago, like not even remotely close. I don't even plan to be remotely close to this version of me 10 years from now. And I welcome that. And I know that that's kind of part of what's going on. And I talk to my partner about that a lot because we, our story is very interesting. And the fact that like we knew each other in high school, we like revisited our relationship in our twenties. Then we went our separate ways. He married someone else. I had three subsequent relationships too two or three, whatever. Serial monogamist here, but I'm, I'm doing, I'm getting married this time. I'm actually getting married in six months. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. And so then we found our way back to each other at 34 years old. We're both like 35 now and having gone through like a lot of relational learning and growing. And I said to him when we were talking about making a commitment for a extended partnership, I said, I was like, look, just so you know, like I'm not at all planning on slowing down in terms of like my learning and my growing and my consciousness expansion and all that kind of stuff. So we're going to have to constantly be in communication with each other in terms of like where you're at, where I'm at, what we want, what we need. And so as long as you're down for that, then we can definitely make a commitment to be in this container for as long as it serves both of our highest good. And he's like, okay, like I'm good. I can, I can definitely do that. And we've been talking a lot lately because we're six months away from having our ceremony. And on top of that, we're talking about starting a family about what our relational blueprints actually are. There is so much implicit, just bias and understanding and constructs that come with our relationship that we weren't even aware of. We're planning a wedding right now. And as much as he is capable and supportive and really, really wants to help, I just by default end up doing a lot of the emotional labor tied to planning this because it's literally wired into me. And I'm like, whoa, wow, like that's crazy. And there's definitely things that come up a lot where I'm like, oh boy, like didn't know that that was part of my relational blueprint. We got to like feel into that a little bit and having that awareness and being able to then give voice to it and communicate and share about it with my partner has been such a game changer. And also to your point of both of us being able to have those conversations and not take things personally, like that, I think if people take nothing away from this, it's try just hearing your partner out and not either blaming it on them Mm. or automatically thinking that they are attacking you. That's a huge first step for a lot of people. Yeah, it's like the the practice of remembering your partner is not the enemy, mm-hmm. because we will and assuming the best. I I tell yes, that to people all the time. Intelligent intent and the best. Uh, yeah, exactly. Even in the midst, and that's a practice because your brain will go to that place of of not feeling that at times. And I love what you're speaking to, and I think that like what I what I do with some of my client, well, most of my clients, if they're if they're a couple a couple I'm working with is to give them that practice of checking in and with conscious communication practices that can really allow space and allow for each person to truly hear each other and where mm-hmm. they're coming from to really practice more listening because especially in relationship we do get 
you, like you said earlier, we get, we think, well, this is the person, this is how it goes. We get stuck on auto. This is the life. We get stuck on autopilot. I mean, we don't even really get into our patterns with each other that show up and our differences until one and a half, two years into the relationship, mm -hmm. right? But we're in that stage of, of the chemical romance. I mean, we're, we're, we're not able to even see some of those differences. And to me, unfortunately, that's when that happens, most couples not giving themselves the time and tools, they either break up prematurely or they push the things under the rug wanting it to stay as they thought it was i'm mm -hmm. using air quotes here right this expectation without being like oh well things are changing how can we learn from this how can we grow from this how can we gain more resource yeah and that's always gonna happen always right? after that point you're gonna go through stages like ups and downs and there is gonna be shift you're not gonna be married to the same person you, i mean we're we're evolving creatures and it's both super challenging and super exciting to dance with someone in that. Like to me, I get like giddy because my partner and I have gone through the ringer, as I said earlier, but we have really held, especially now, to how can we see each other fully and really not betray ourselves for the other person and then resent it, mm -hmm. not not see a part of what's going on and then comes up later, not having a fantasy about what it is and what it could or should have been or should be now. And that's been given us so much. I mean, it, just thinking about it, it actually has given us an adventure because mm -hmm. our predetermined ideal, all the things I just talked about start to get opened up and we start yeah. to see all these other new paths of how to be yeah, authentically with ourselves and in connection. Yeah. 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 Because there is no supposed tos, right? And I think that that is something that messes a lot of people up in terms of they come into a relationship, especially like people who do enter into the construct of marriage and it is a construct, right? And we have all of these different things that have been implicitly and sometimes explicitly passed down to us through our family of origin, through media, through marketing. I mean, media through, is like right? There's so many of these ideas about supposed to, and we then have this idea of supposed to, and then we walk into this with most of the time, absolutely no fucking idea what we're doing because I don't know about you, but I think of all of the people in my life right now, I can say that I have one friend who grew up in a household with like parents who had like healthy communication and like, and it shows, I tell her this all the time. Like Kate, if you're listening to this, shout out to you. But like, we talk about this all the time. Like, I'm like, you had a really healthy household. And it's actually really interesting because her story, her biological parents are actually divorced and then remained friends because they knew that they were just not a good fit for each other. And they're like, Hey, before this gets messy, why don't we kind of mm. like go our separate ways? Stayed really good friends. And then she had her dad has, she's a stepmom on that side. They have a beautiful relationship. Her mom remarried, very healthy relationship on that side. And we would do things for school 
And we always knew where her family was because they took up a whole row in the auditorium because it would be like her stepmom, her dad, her mom, her stepdad, and then like all of her like half or step siblings, like everybody was like there in the row together. It was amazing. And I think about that. And then I also think about the fact that of all the people I know, and I, I know a good, good chunk of people, that's the only person I know that again, by and large, had a healthy example of communication, relating, parent, like all that kind of stuff. So I'm like, all right, so 99.9% of us are coming into this whole relationship thing with a, a blueprint of what not to do, no idea of what actually to do. And then we feel shame and guilt around feeling like we don't know what to do. So then we don't reach out to get help because yeah. we're too st stuck in the supposed to's. Yeah, that's a great point, especially the ending point is that we're stuck in the supposed to's and then we put we built this like high expectation that no couple will ever live up to, right? And, and but based upon all you just said that like in the reality of things if we look at it, we all have a lot of work to do and things to learn. And that's a big disconnect. I know for me coming from my family of origin which which had its own stuff and issues that have come up in this whole process of being a partnership myself is I saw a partnership and a girl getting the right woman uh, as a heterosexual man as like, that would solve everything. Mm. Like that was a fantasy as a young person because I was not in a very stable, secure upbringing. And I thought, well, if I find the right, per like a freaking unicorn or something like that, then everything's perfect. Now, this goddess will come in and bless yeah, my life and yeah. then everything will be fruitful and abundant moving forward. <laughs> yeah, which ironically is what happened. And because my wife is a- Talk a about the goddess, power of manifestation, she is right? Like yeah. Beautiful and amazing. And, but it, but it, it wasn't as I expected. It was mm -hmm. like, oh, mm -hmm. this is like, a lot, this is putting me into really going deep and learning about myself and repairing and relearning and repairing some of those early wounds. Like I give her so much, if she, if she listens to this, I give her so much gratitude and presence because she has a little bit more of that than I did. When you talk about a family that was more secure, more healthy, and she brings a lot of that un just unconsciously mm -hmm. in. Like she just lives that. And she's been an aid in me also understanding how to even do relationship. When my parents, they both came from families that were... I mean, my mom, her, both her parents abandoned her to her grandma. I mean, I'm not going to go on about my parents, but just some, some stuff that was mm -hmm. intense. Yeah. And this is like intergenerational trauma, right? Oh. Like that impacted how she exists in the world, which impacted how Back she existed in relationship to you and, and right. Oh. And this is what we talk about because like very rarely our shit is solely our shit. We are carrying <laughs> generations and generations of trauma that we have to become aware of how it's playing out in our lives. So then we can actually do something to heal and repair. Uh, I mean, yeah, you are from your lips to God, goddesses ears. I mean, that's like so, so true. And that's another point of demystifying and self-compassion and self-awareness. Oh, it's not just me. Let me look back. Oh my God, my parents went through some stuff like trauma, like big T traumas. And I didn't go through that, but I got, I got a lot of that from that situation because they were passing on because they didn't know any better. Mm-hmm. So it gives mm -hmm. me compassion for myself, compassion for them, and mm -hmm. the opportunity, to your point, to heal that, to mm -hmm. actually repair what they didn't have the tools or time or ability to do so.
right? Yeah, I could blame them or I could say, okay, I have compassion for them and I'm going to hold myself responsible for what's passed on, but I'm not going to keep it, right? Right. I'm Mm going to be conscious about how I live my life in a new way. Yeah. And that this might sound too woo-woo, but I do really believe that that does, because I also have had journeys that Mm -hmm. gave me perspectives that it's it went before them to the previous generation Mm -hmm. and learning more about my bloodline. And I think it allows heart space and, and a freeing up for everybody in the bloodline and not, not to Mm -hmm. make my little life and my partnership super, super important, but it does heal the generations previous. And if there's generations to come, Mm -hmm. and that's another imperative, I think to take responsibility and to do this kind of work. Because it's not just for you. It didn't just start with you. There's a great book called that, actually. Yep, yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's, awesome. a, it's on my book list. <laughs> you gotta, you're going to love that. You're, it's such a cool book. Oh, no, like book list that I recommend to people. Oh, like, you've read yeah. it. Okay, gotcha, yeah, I was yeah. going to say, like that and the Bodies Keep score, if you can Nobody get through can... it. Like those two, like really will like unlock a lot in terms of like, oh, wow. <laughs> totally. So yeah. much of me Everybody is not there, actually constructed by me. <laughs> yeah. And so it, it you get to see it's not just it's it doesn't start with you and also because of that you can also hold space that there is all this before you and and your acts do ripple back and ripple forward and that's like so powerful but just even saying all this now it's funny like i i think i go from like being very optimistic and sometimes a little pessimistic because even saying all this i'm like how many people I was like you sound like somebody from philadelphia <laughs> right a little healthy skepticism yep. <laughs> it's like how many like aren't people... we all like that around here <laughs> <laughs> how many people want to embark on that type of journey that we're speaking to that like just talking about it it sounds it could sound like a lot mm-hmm. but to me because it, it's gonna it's gonna ask you to be confronted a little bit and challenge like your, your habits, your day to day, how you do life. Oh yeah. Relationship. Yep. That's I tell people all the time. There's like, right after you realize that you're going to start doing some healing work, you go through what I like to call the, like, I don't know era where like, you're like, Oh my God, I don't know anything. I literally don't know. Like, how do I brush my teeth? How do I spell my, like, it will feel like you don't know anything because like everything that you were taught is how like fucked. And so you have to like go back and revisit and realize like, do I want to keep this? Do I want to change this? Do I want to revisit this? Is this actually true to who I am and how I want to show up in the world? Ah, like it can definitely feel like you're about to explode. (laughs) Yeah. And a lot of people, because we generally start to develop our personalities around a lot of our survival response, mm-hmm. we're too understandably, and this is where I'm coming, I'm coming from compassion, not just like pessimism. Right. Is that we, it's hard when we have to do all you just said. Oh yeah. Like, Deeply like uncomfortable. Actually Deeply uncomfortable. Right. And, and, and change patterns and change our lifestyle, change that, that a lot of people, it's so hard because th- that feels like they could die. Oh yeah. And and a lot of ways you are right. Cause that version of you that was unconscious and acting out of these default patterns, like does actually have to die so that you can have a more conscious, more aware, more responsive and more responsible version of you moving forward. But you really have to learn how to let go of all the things that feel comfortable and familiar 
And that's really difficult to do because our bodies biologically are wired to stay with what's safe and familiar, even if it's not what is best for us and our, or in alignment with our highest good, because the unknown could be scary. And like on the other side of the unknown could be something that inevitably leads to our demise, right? So we are hardwired to stay with where it's comfortable and familiar. And that's a hard directive to go against. Yeah. And, and, and to your point with both bringing up the body keeps the score, Gabor Mate has a book that's called The Body Never Doesn't Lie or The Body Never Lies. And, and I think like that's another big part of all this that has been even more in the forefront of my learning and teaching is what the body is also showing us, right? Because the body will keep us for that survival in those responses. And, and as I mentioned earlier, I might understand it here mm -hmm. in my, my mind. But it's 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 takes a lot of practice, which are more embodied practices or somatic practices to actually start to see, oh, OK, my body is making these some of these decisions right now. And I understand why I have compassion for that. But how can I create more space for decision or choice? And yeah, and it's it's confronting. And I think the majority of people out there, I think and I, I think they they don't want that that type of confronting because it could possibly feel like their whole life is a, is a sandcastle or a house of cards. Mm -hmm. At the same time, when you get into this, it is like eating amazing, like meal, like the nuance of knowing yourself. Oh, but like right, flavor, yeah. what I'm saying, like, like, like if you get like a meal where it's like the, you get to see the color and depth and nuance, it's, I think it's beautiful. And I, I mean, as much as I have a part of me that believes in is challenged by the, by changing and the, all that. And I, I do, don't get, mm -hmm. don't get me wrong. There's a big part who's like, no, but this is so, this is what life is. Mm -hmm. This is the most, yeah, satiating, amazing, colorful, tasteful, complex. It's beautiful. I mean, you you're a, you were a therapist and a coach. I mean, I'm sure like that's maybe your default, right? Because you're interested in human psychology and the mind. But I, yeah, I think it's magical. Yeah, and and I think that it's important to share that because I imagine that there are people listening to this who are curious, right? And maybe they're thinking about embarking on expanding their consciousness a little bit, or they're in it and they're in the part of it where they're like, this feels really uncomfortable. Why did I start to do this? But that's also where like, keep going because there is a lot yeah. of beauty in realizing like, yeah, we don't have control over the cards that were dealt, but we do have control over how we choose to play them. And being able to realize that you don't have to be this being that is just in this reactive space all the time that you actually get to have so much choice in how you respond and how you exist in relationship to yourself, to your environment, to your profession, to your partner. It is so empowering to know that you get to have that choice, but also that power comes with responsibility, right? That, that quote, like with great power comes great responsibility yeah. because now guess what? If things are a mess, who do you have to blame and who do you have to look at? Yourself, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that that's the piece where people love being able to point the finger and put it yeah. off on someone else or something else or that victim mentality. A lot of our culture really like thrives on people feeling like they don't have to take any personal responsibility because it's like, oh, we're just going to shove it off on something or someone else. And it's really interesting because I just to kind of like bring us into a little bit of closure here. 
I have really been very interested around having conversations about the, I'm going to say like inherent masculine defense mechanisms that happen because for whatever reason, I feel like it has been so much easier for the feminine to wake up and to come into this. And part of it is obviously there's like an emotional, spiritual, energetic, there's part of that. But I do think a lot of it is sociological and cultural. And a lot of it is these passed down constructs where men are essentially systemically kept asleep. And I would love to hear a little bit of your thoughts on that and what it is like. And if there's anyone listening to this who is trying to wake up or um, has a partner who they would like to maybe wake up a little bit, what you can share in terms of your thoughts there. Yeah, great question. Real, real quick, I just want to say one thing to what you were just speaking to, and then I'll address this. It will actually be a good segue, because I think you're right, and you're talking about the cultural idea of, of blaming. I think we do that and pushing it aside. We push our stuff, even our eating habits and where food comes from. We mm-hmm. don't even think about it. We push it aside. And I think a self-accountability is so powerful and empowering, and that's another big part of the delicacy of this beautiful meal that we're speaking of. And what I'm going to use to bridge to your question is that what comes up for me in that is conscious community is is actually having people in our lives that support us and also challenge us, but challenge us in a supportive way, mm-hmm. right? That that can and that could be a coach and that could be a spiritual community. Although I have a lot of um, thoughts on spiritual communities because I've been part of them, so that you want to mm-hmm. be careful there. Yep. Um, but some, uh, your yoga community, uh, if it's a woman's circle or, or like a men's circle. So I think for men, I do a lot of men's circle work. I either am in it or facilitating it. I find it really important to have men in my life who are holding me accountable and supporting me. And I think a lot of men from that, we still have this in male culture is posturing. So I used to do tattoo. I used to be a tattoo artist. I've had many lives. And I worked in this tattoo shop. It was pretty rough and tumble. Before tattooing got so popular, it was like kind of like a rough place. And the men there were so like, quote unquote, strong. Like they postured like, no, get out. Like, look at me. Who am I? And then they fell apart like this. They were so Mm -hmm. fragile. I mean, I, I was around men like in the back, wasted, crying by themselves. And I was just like, whoa, what is going on here? Bro, you're not okay. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but of course, after their drunken thing, they would never address that. Mm-hmm. So there is this fragility that we see. I see it in my father. And that the, you mentioned defense mechanism. There is a feeling that like this, this weakness, uh, this can't be seen. And I don't, I'm not like a uh, versed in the sociology of it enough to know all the details of where it comes from. But the issue is that it hardens and it allows the process we just spoke about for 45 minutes to not really go forward. Because what do we talk about? Curiosity, opening, looking at your own self instead of pointing the finger stereotypical toxic masculinity is so adverse to that because we spoke about death. It feels for some reason like that is their death. death. Mm-hmm. And they would rather posture in toxicity or 
unhealthy patterns mm -hmm. and keep this idea that's they're only they're believing in most of the time, maybe some other people that they're they're okay and they're they got everything handled and everything's cool and I got to the detriment of many of those around them. Mm -hmm. And maybe that comes from a time when there was a big burden on men to to be quote unquote tough and be the provider, the protector, the procreator. But men don't have to do that now. Men do not have to provide. In fact, women, it's seen, are earning more and being more successful than most men in the world mm -hmm. right now. So especially in the United States and Western world. So men, that role is is, is not there. The protector, mm -hmm. I mean, I also feel like that role is not really there. And I think the the procreator, again, that role, like, what does that even really mean? Like, when I say procreator, I mean, like, mm -hmm. back in the days where, you know, you'd, you'd have someone who's like, I need to have lots of children, and they mm -hmm. run the farm, and they are, they have, that the power of our family is vested in them. None of that really matters as much. Mm -hmm. So men are reckoning with that. Like, well, then who am I? And what I think, I actually learned this from someone on my podcast who came on. She used those three terms. And I think there needs there needs to be an updating, mm -hmm. right? There needs to be an updating because I think there is a turning point and a crisis. It's literal. Like, it's not even like a fantasy because you could be like, well, you're just, you want to do something that's like a, per, what not what men are, like taking it on another point of view. But it's not true. If you look at the nuts and bolts of how we live in this world, for most of us, Men need to update how they function. And the toxicity comes from them mm -hmm. being like not wanting to and wanting right. to stay and there. They're in a state like, of dis-ease because they're not yeah. in alignment with totally. what their true calling is. And that's like, I see so much just numbing and escapism and whether it's yeah. video games or totally. alcohol or marijuana or food, right? I just see a lot of men who are just shells of themselves because they don't have like a core directive because the core directive that they thought they were supposed to have is not available to them. So then they're just lost and they're floating out there. And that's where I believe that the conversation around polarity and balance and what the conscious masculine can actually provide in terms of feminine energy is so amazing. I actually heard this quote from one of my clients the other day who somebody shared it with her where she was saying that the masculine, and again, we're speaking about energetic archetypes here, so this can play out in any way, shape, or form, right? The masculine is the sky and the feminine is the weather, right? So it's the oh. sky's ability to just hold space for the weather. And the weather is the weather, right? It's going to do what it do, and it can be what it be, and it's all good, and it's all necessary, and it's all needed, right? And the sky is there to just be like, hey, like, I got you. It's all good. And to be able to exist in tandem and in relationship to that. And I've been sitting with that since one of my clients shared it with me. And I was like, wow, like, okay, I, yeah. I do do dig that a little bit. I love that. Yeah, because the energetic masculine is the container. It's like, and then the, the feminine is the energy and the movement, right? Mm -hmm. So the, the masculine is to hold, mm -hmm. right? So you could go back to these stereotypical ideas of masculine. You're like, well, yeah, if you're a, if you're a provider or protector, you're allowing the, mas the feminine to be held. But now it's like, it's like imprisoned. It's right, like not, I was going to say like held, right? Like, but like, it's also, it needs to be a very expansive, stretchy container. <laughs> yeah, well, well, and I think now to update those ideas, how can a man consciously hold the feminine and or play in polarity of feminine and masculine 
is to actually be able to not hold by imprisoning or pushing down, but to actually lovingly hold space for the masculine, the feminine in all of us. Again, this is mm-hmm. the non-gendered to move and play and shift and flourish. That's, that's a em- empowered man. Mm-hmm. But the toxic man sees that as a threat. Mm-hmm. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? The, yeah, empower- you- the empowered man is actually strong, uh, essentially sh- stronger. I don't, the word strong, whatever, empowered. Because the conscious man says like, I, I'm not threatened by this, this storm, the weather. I'm the sky. And I'm excited for the storm to move through me and the analogy. Mm-hmm. But the, 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 the fragile or toxic man, it feels challenged, right? Mm. Feels like, oh, no, it will take over me. And that's what man, manhood now, and, and it's polarity, because now we're getting into polarity, because these elements of, say, the sky and weather, as the analogy, are, are things that now we can start to play with. We can start to actually consciously decide and see, just like we talked about all the conscious kind of communication tools and practices. How do I do that as a biological man? And how at times does my 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 partner, who's biologically uh, a woman, also take on a masculine polarity because yeah, right. of actually the pressures that we just talked about of reacting to toxic masculinity and saying, fuck that shit of wanting to be an empowered person in the world and of also because that's the way you do so because of patriarchy patriarchy yep. <laughs> yeah right so then like right. if i'm going to be an empowered woman or man i guess i have to do it this way so how does her and i think this happens a lot in in partnerships how does her over overtaking on the masculine also play into the polarity and there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with it it's just being conscious which means that maybe she holds to that in certain times in her day, which is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then in other times, say in lovemaking, we play with that polarity, which allows for that masculine, which maybe she still might want in a setting like that to come forward. Or the masculine comes forward as a container of holding, not by controlling, but by actually being able to be a safe space of emotional regulation. Mm-hmm. Not I'm going to protect you because I get angry and then I can't regulate myself. I'm going to protect you against the bear and get crazy and angry and then I can't regulate. But actually, I think protection could now be yes. let me regulate my emotions and allow you to feel safe in your nervous system. Yes. Yes. Like that's actual what the update of protection is. Mm-hmm. And then she feels held in a masculine way, which yes. if we're talking about like a heterosexual relationship, she will feel her feminine unfold and that will feel good to me, mm-hmm. but in a whole different way. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. And, that. and that's one of the things I, I say to my, my clients a lot where I see, and again, we're, we're very admittedly speaking in heterosexual archetypes right now. And I, I am aware of that, but again, mostly what I worked with were heterosexual couples in yeah. monogamous constructs. So I, I see this woman who's holding like at literally everything. And she's like, I'm overwhelmed. I'm stressed out. I'm holding everything, whatever. And then like the masculine's like, I don't know, like, what, like I'm here. Like, I don't understand like what's happening. And I'm like, do you trust him? Like, do you trust, like, do you think that if you put some of this stuff down, he'd pick it up? 
And they're like, no. And a lot of times that goes back to what they saw play out in their household, in their family of origin, attachment wounds that they have or whatever. I'm like, well, unless you put it down, he can't pick it up. Step one is putting it down. Exactly. That, that your analogy is one that's very common and it's building more consciousness around the dynamic you just displayed. And again, less, it goes back to that humbling and less attachment to our patterns, right? And a little more awareness of that. And yeah, it's almost like the male propensity in, in say conversation, or if there is an issue that comes up or something that needs to be like a problem, the male wants to fix it and solve it. Right. Mm -hmm. But actually the female might be asking that the male hold space for her to just Mm -hmm. to exist, to be. And then, and that's actually the thing that fosters trust. Right. And, and I think that that's the thing that ends up getting lost a lot of times. And then we end up seeing this archetype where the woman takes on an almost maternal role with their partners where they, I, I hear people joke all the time. They're like, yeah, I have three kids, a boy, a girl, and my husband. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, Ooh, like, like, let's, let's not normalize that. And I think just to be I, I feel like we could like go on and on and on about, about all of this. I'm yeah, like, so that's stay, tuned for, stay tuned for part two. Episode. Yeah, it's great. But I think that going back to a little piece of the, the question that brought us here, if you're speaking to, if there is a someone who identifies as a male and who's struggling in their relationship, who's listening to this, or a female in a partnership who's listening to this, who knows that they're struggling in their relationship, what advice would you give, like going back in time, thinking about you, right? And you, your partner, as you were starting to just embark on this journey, what are some words that you would offer in terms of helping them to know that, yeah, it might be a little wild. It might be a little bit of a wild ride to take up this torch and to walk this path. However, it's definitely something that's very worthwhile. Yeah. Yeah. I think for, for the men out there, I think it's like a radical self-responsibility and self-accountability, mm. you know, and that, and that's just to to be able to actually tune in to all the stuff we talked about earlier in terms of patterns, but also if we're talking about masculine, feminine energy, to tune into how some of that energy, the masculine energy in you, is showing up in ways that are more about like a defense oh okay right and mm-hmm. less about true strength oh i actually i really love that as a takeaway okay because i think i think we do so much in defense and we talked about it a little bit so if you could ask yourself is this in defense or when i really feel or is this is this from true strength mm. because if you're acting at a true strength and you will be more compassionate. You will listen to your partner. You will be able to hold, if it's a heterosexual couple, you'll be able to hold her, to actually hold her, not in a way that's enabling her to not be her best self, but in a way that can allow her to flourish and grow. And I think it's also important to have someone in your life to 
model or be inspired by, if it's someone to listen to, mm -hmm. if it's a coach, if it's a men's circle, if it's a group of people, to notice, are these men perpetuate, once you reckon with the first question, are these men perpetuating this pattern? Like around them, do I feel mm -hmm. defensive? Do I feel like I have to put on this thing? Or do the men around me allow me to actually soften into my strength? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because that's, yeah. What your, that's what your woman wants. Because I've seen so many men in a relationship when I see couples and they're so concerned about say work or maybe looking a certain way or put, putting off, but they're doing all that, but they're not attending to the actual most right. important There's no actual presence. Yeah. There's no presence. I've, I've been guilty of this. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the, that's the look there. That's the real strength. There is, I understand they're trying to do what's best but they're becoming so blinded that their woman is ask, is actually asking of them to become stronger. You, we think it's the opposite. Like, Oh, I have to give up or be weak or be, I, I can't do that. Or I got to do this, but they're actually asking of you to be stronger because mm -hmm. it's harder. Oh, way harder. Just be present. Way harder. <laughs> it's so hard. And when you start doing that, you're going to repair a whole, we'll start the journey of repairing a whole bunch of your own wounds, quote unquote, masculine wounds and just wounds as, as a person. And then you're going to start to understand. And I got to give my wife so much credit because she, sometimes I get annoyed by it, but she really calls me forward into this, mm. into being. But you've also given her permission to feel safe to do so. Enough to do so. Yeah. Right. You I have think I, I think, extended I think I, invitation. And I think I didn't at times, I was very defensive. And then through all the work that we've been speaking to, I started to say, okay, wait. This I, person's yeah. a mirror. Like, what do they this, see? Yeah. This person's a mirror. This person's a mirror. And I do think that the feminine in more, excuse me, a heterosexual relationship, the feminine often, or whoever actually, it doesn't matter what relationship, who, if it's same sex, whoever holds more of the mask of feminine rather, mm -hmm. will, will have intuition into where your masculine is becoming neurotic or or has or wisdom or wise mm -hmm. i and i think it's important to to not just like say well i'll i'll do every single thing my wife does i mean that's obviously right. nice, yeah. we're not talking about any, you know, adopting extremes here it's about balance <laughs> it's about balance it's but it's about really listening like where underneath of my wife's or partners or again if it's whoever has the feminine polarity mostly where is there this, where is she asking me to step forward? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's so big. Mm -hmm. And that inherently works against all the things of blaming we talked about, but it also works yep. against that masculine defensiveness mm -hmm. and yep, 100%. keeping that going. And I've seen couples with that. That is the main problem, actually. And it's so hard to get both on board, meaning... I can't just throw the man right into the deep end right away, right? He has to hold <laughs> yeah. on to some of that because it's so, I have, this is me. That's, this is yeah, that's your man. safety net. That's your it's life just, preserver right there. Just, yeah, exactly. But he, he also has to start disentangling a little bit and meet it. And, and you know where that happens? It happens in the moment of presence because then it's, it's just felt. And the man 
I'll speak for myself can be like, oh, I get it. My partner's been saying I haven't been present for years. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. We're, I'm always present. We always do it. And then I'm like, no, I get it. I get what, because I'm feeling it right now. Mm -hmm. I'm yeah. feeling it in my nervousness. And it's different, that feeling, than when I'm in that more, what we're speaking to, not as healthy masculine pattern. And then that's cool because it doesn't mean you, th and this is, you don't throw away the baby with the bathwater because that ideally gives you the more, the, the, the man or the masculine pull more space to act from integrity mm -hmm. instead of this like space of like fragile defensive survival. Mm -hmm. And who knows what that could do to your purpose or your life, your career. And it creates such a holistic way yes. to go back to that image of these tough dudes in a tattoo shop who would just then fall apart. Imagine if they didn't have that. Imagine they didn't need to drink a fucking box of wine. Right. Yeah. To be to able to feeling. like get in touch with their feelings. Right. Oh yeah. my God. They'd probably be successful in their work because they wouldn't be hung over and all mm -hmm. and exhausted from suppressing everything and numbing oh. and pushing it down and disassociating yeah and, and then that's where again like exactly. we are meant to come into balance we all have masculine and feminine energies and yes. that's where it doesn't really matter what you are biologically, what role you take in your relationship. We all have these energies within us and being able to interact with them in a balanced way and understand what that balance looks like within us, but then also what it looks like in our relational constructs as well so that we're maintaining internal and external energetic balance. And then that's when you have peace and harmony in your relationship with self and your relationship with your partner. Yeah. And, 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 and I mentioned this before the next step, and one of my teachers talks about this a lot is then it can also become artful, especially like say in sex or the bedroom or sensuality, you can play more when you're aware with the, the masculine feminine energy, mm -hmm. regardless of your sex, your biological sex, which is also freeing because in today's world, there might be men. I mean, I'm one of these to some degree who have a lot of uh, are in touch with feminine qualities. Mm -hmm. And it does not mean that I have to betray them to live out these stronger masculine energies. It actually could mean that I'm more aware of them. And I know when they are most empowering for myself and for my partner and when they're not. And that oh. is fucking awesome. I'm not saying I'm a wizard at this yet. I'm a work in progress. I was going to say, but I, and that's, and I think that that's also where relational work, right? You don't have to wait until you are in crisis. You no. don't have to wait it's until, yeah. right? Like right. I was going to say like, and this is something where it's kind of like, Hey, we're good. Can we get great? And if we're great, can we get like fucking awesome? Right. Yes. And be willing to go and expand those supposed tos to like, wow, like what's actually possible and get out there and be willing to ask those questions. And I think just having that compassionate curiosity around what is present for you, what's present for your partner, those constructs, all that kind of stuff is a really beautiful way for you to start this journey. And I know that you work with couples, you work with individuals. We said that you do retreats. What are some of the ways that people can either learn from you or be in community with you? Yeah, I appreciate that invitation. Yeah, I love working with couples. I love working with individuals and I work with individuals in relationship. Like if they're moving through some areas in their life where they're looking to learn more about relationship, like between partnerships or just relationship 
to, to, to many people in different ways, not just a, a partner. And I do lots of trainings right now. I'm taking a little break, but I do lots of trainings in person and online around conscious communication and emotional intelligence. I think that that's great. I think like a one-time train, that's a really good way for people to just kind of like get their feet wet a little bit. So I, I actually didn't even know that you did like training specifically. And I think that that is a vital way for this invitation to be extended. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that That's a great way just to start to di dive into these tools, right? As a tool building and as a way to explore. And yeah, so and I also have a podcast myself and I have- And what is the name of your podcast? Maybe come on my podcast as a guest, that'd be fun. Oh, well, always, yeah. Keep the chat going. It's called the Empower Connection Podcast. And then I also, I do a lot of stuff on Instagram. I put out mostly daily-ish tips and tools and stuff like that. So that's a great fun place to connect with me. And I do work with people all over the world. I do work virtually and I also work in person in right now in Tucson, Arizona and in Philadelphia. But the majority of my clients right now are on Zoom. So I can meet you from anywhere. And I, I look at the coaching process as like a retreat. Like you just mentioned, you went on an ayahuasca retreat. Mm -hmm. It's you can look at it as a time to explore, to become curious, to maybe have a new perspective and to gain more tools and to just play around without making it sound too serious. Yeah. Play around there, like explore, experiment, see what shifting a couple things does. It's so I again, it's it's both confronting and very fun and mm -hmm. very life giving and and super, just, yeah, it's just speaking about it. It's, I, I really love it. I love what I do. And I also do like to work, I work with everybody, all types of people, but I do work with men. We talked about some of the men stuff. If you're a man out there or a man who could like l l maybe benefit from learning some of these tools, becoming a little more conscious, I think being with a chances man. Chances are the answer of that question is yes. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> if we're being honest. Yeah. I think being with another man, not that I, again, like I got it all going on. I'm just a work in progress, but being another man who can see you mm -hmm. and hold space for you and validate your experience, not say like, well, you're wrong for what you do. Mm -hmm. And also maybe give you new perspective, support you and, and maybe challenge you a little bit to grow. I a hundred percent guarantee it will help you, your man. If you're a, a woman listening and if you're a man listening, it's going to help your whole life, your mm -hmm. relational life your partnership. If you have kids, oh my God, if you have a family, mm -hmm. so important because those kids are sponges. They're taking in every oh, little yeah. detail. Right. Like talk about like, do it before it's too late. Like you're, yes, like you're you really said. like doing some generational healing work by taking the leap and being able to get some support and help to really start to look at these things and heal and to choose differently. And again, going back to the, you don't have control over the cowards that you were dealt, but you absolutely have control over how you choose to play them. And if you want to get a really good uh, poker coach, it's got you covered. I so appreciate you taking time today to chat with us. I would absolutely love to come on your podcast. I'd love to have you back on this podcast. I feel like there's a million different topics that we could jam yeah. out about. And I really, 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 really appreciate your perspective. I appreciate how much you have just taken the time to dive into knowledge. It's not only you coaching from your lived experience, but I can tell that you have become a student of all things relational. And that is really exciting for me to see because I think sometimes when we're comparing 
coaching and therapy coaching can get a little bit of a bad rap because again, it's not as um, standardized, if you will. But I am sitting here as somebody who's a trained therapist and I can say wholeheartedly, I would 1000% recommend you to anybody who is looking for support and help with this. You really know what you're talking about. There's a very conscious container that I can tell that you create for your clients and simultaneously you are doing your own work to be able to hold that neutral space for their process. So I really appreciate just being able to share you with my audience and I look forward to being able to let people know what you got coming up. So keep us in the loop with things. And again, if you are in Tucson, if you're in Philly, if you are virtual, please, please, please do reach out real quick before I let you go. Where can people find you on Instagram? It's at empowerconnection.me. And that will be in the show notes. And that's also my website, empowerconnection.me. So pretty simple. Perfect. We'll link all of that up in the show notes for everyone. Thank you again for your time. And I'm sure we'll chat again soon. Yeah, much love. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Great to talk with you, Amber. There you have it. Another episode of the Sacred Leadership Podcast on the books. I hope your time spent here served you and nourished you. Join us every Tuesday for more honest conversations and powerful insights. Remember, exceptional leaders share the wealth. Send this episode to someone who would benefit, leave a review to let others know about the show, and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Talk to you soon.